0: And welcome to the seventh in our series of podcasts dedicated to the EU Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive, CSRD. I'm Simona Romanowski, VP of Innovation at Intertech Business Assurance, and I'm joined by Mark Thomas, Executive Vice President of Sustainability and Assurance at Intertech. He's responsible for how Intertech looks at sustainability internally and how we support our clients with sustainability solutions. Mark has spent 20 years as a corporate lawyer and has been the general counsel and head of corporate governance of some of the UK's largest listed multinational companies. Until recently, he was general counsel at Intertech. Mark is going to dive into what the G in ESG means in relation to CSRD. Hi, Mark, and thanks for joining me today. I was keen to get your take on governance, given the previous role you have had here at Intertech, and get your reflections on the challenges and opportunities you see companies facing when addressing the CSRD reporting. So this is the final podcast on explaining the requirements focusing on G in ESG. Can you please start us off with an overview in general on what is usually encompassed under governance when reporting on sustainability matters?
1: Thank you, Simona, for the introduction. Governance in the context of reporting on sustainability matters refers to the structure, processes and practices that organisations have in place to manage and oversee their sustainability initiatives. It encompasses a range of activities and elements that are essential for effectively addressing environmental, social and governance or ESG issues within an organisation. There is a huge amount that is typically encompassed under governance when reporting on sustainability matters, but let me summarise a few of the key ones. The first is board oversight. Governance starts at the highest level with the board of directors. The board is responsible for setting the overall strategy and direction for sustainability, ensuring that it aligns with the organization's mission and values, and then from there, you set out the organisation's sustainability policies and strategies that outline their commitment to ESG goals. These documents provide a framework for how the organisation will address various sustainability issues. To create this strategy, though, you have to consider and conduct a number of other activities. Risk management is key, as it involves identifying and managing sustainability-related risks, including environmental and social risks that could impact the organisation's operations, reputation and financial performance. Linked to risk management is ensuring that the organisation understands the compliance and regulation requirements that impact upon it, while continuing to monitor any changes in regulation and their possible impact. As mentioned, there are so many areas, so let me tie a few together. Let's take internal controls, reporting and auditing and assurance governance systems establish internal controls to track and measure sustainability performance metrics. This includes data collection, verification and reporting processes. From that, organisations can then report on on their sustainability performance through various channels, such as sustainability reports, annual reports and their websites. Often, this will involve external audits and assurance services, to verify the accuracy of sustainability data and reports. This enhances credibility and transparency. Then you want to be regularly monitoring and reporting on sustainability key performance indicators or KPIs for tracking progress toward sustainability goals. I'll also touch on internal and external culture around sustainability commitment. I know we touched on this on our social podcast, But governance fosters a culture of ethical behaviour and social responsibility within the organisation, emphasising the importance of sustainability in decision making. Governance also encompasses efforts to promote diversity and inclusion at all levels of the organisation, ensuring equitable opportunities for all employees. Externally, this culture extends to the management of supply chains, including supplier sustainability assessments, and audits. Today, we typically see organizations tie executive compensation to their sustainability performance as a way to incentivize leadership to achieve their sustainability goals. And interestingly, this is one of the KPIs in CSRD. I could go on, but you get the point, that governance is ultimately the foundation for how you build your sustainability strategy and how you effectively manage and deliver it. That involves leadership, policies, risk management, transparency and stakeholder engagement to drive sustainable practices and create long-term value for all stakeholders.
0: Thank you, Mark. So because governance is across all elements, we can't really look at it as a standalone pillar. With that in mind, Can you perhaps explain what governance means as it relates to the CSRD requirements?
1: Of course. So compared to the social and environment sections, there are actually a few parts on governance in the CSRD KPIs. So let me break it down further. The reporting requirement KPIs start off with the general requirements section ESRS 1, which stands for European Sustainability Reporting Standards. Then under ESRS 2, there are 10 topic-specific ESRSs and the ES&G. Within those KPIs, there are cross-cutting questions related to governance, strategy, impact, risk and opportunity management, and finally, metrics and targets. Therefore, each topic-specific subsection will have a set of governance questions. Then for governance as a standalone ESG pillar, you have eight KPIs under business conduct. Let's first look at the general requirements section and how governance factors in. As I just mentioned, it needs to start with a board or senior leadership in the organisation. Not only does CSRD look at how the SLT management is informed and involved in sustainability management, it even looks at the composition and diversity of the SLT, their roles and responsibilities to manage material impacts, risks and opportunities, and their access to expertise on sustainability matters. I've already mentioned that it also looks at incentivisation around achieving sustainability goals. Finally in the general requirements section it looks at due diligence on sustainability statements and risk and internal controls around reporting.
0: Mark sorry to interrupt but just on on that point around explaining the management's um, made up and their sustainability knowledge Surely that seems very demanding and even subjective request for companies to report on.
1: I think I need to remind the, of the intent of the CSRD regulation to have to answer this. CSRD is aiming to align, strengthen and bring consistency to sustainability reporting and show the progress being made. So this is one of those KPIs where it is setting an expected standard and never pushing companies to make sure they're getting the right level of sustainability advice. With regards to the composition and diversity of the board, or SLT, this is a very common practice now to see this being reported, when we consider, like you did under the social podcast, the drive for more diversity and inclusion.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you, Mark. Please continue.
1: Sure. So, if we now look at the governance cross-cutting questions in the environmental and social sections, there's a variety of governance questions related to policy management senior leadership incentives, material impacts, risks and opportunities and their interaction with strategy and business models. Each section starts with trying to understand the way the organisation is looking at SLT involvement and how material impacts have been assessed. It also looks into how those risks and opportunities are decided and whether or not they're embedded into the overall sustainability topic. I think it's important to call this out because again, it's shown that governance is so key in making decisions around policies, targets, and risk mitigation. Finally, I'll move on to the governance pillar and look at the KPIs and the business conduct. Again, a big focus on the senior management and the role they play in helping with the corporate culture and business conduct policies. The focus here is also to understand how they are mitigating any negative impacts and maximizing positive impacts related to business conduct. It also looks at the management of relationships with suppliers, specifically asking about fair behaviour with suppliers. It moves on to the prevention and detection of corruption or bribery and asking to report on confirmed incidents of corruption or bribery. This is focused both on how employees are trained on this matter and how they communicate with suppliers. And finally, linked to suppliers is a KPI on payment practices particularly in relation to SMEs. Again, the intent here is to make sure that organisations are behaving sustainably to all. I would say that these are quite standard, certainly for larger organisations. Even for smaller ones, this will not be new, but it could be something they will need to strengthen. The last KPI is requesting transparency on political influence and lobbying activities within the financial year. Again, standard practice for most organisations.
0: Thanks, Mark. Um, Do you think companies will find the governance sections of the reporting easier as they should, in theory, have this already in place if they are managing sustainability today?
1: In theory, you would think, yes, perhaps. But a number of these KPIs are, in my opinion, quite challenging for many companies, and especially smaller companies. So, is management involved? Usually, yes but it's more about how you have the right management systems in place, that you are assessing their effectiveness, that you are proactively assessing risk impact, you adjust accordingly, and all while getting the right sustainability expertise to inform those decisions. So the grounding to this section should be clear, but how organised and ready to report a large number of companies will be, especially smaller ones, is the challenge that I foresee. Now is definitely the time to act, especially SMEs, so they can gap assess what they done today and make the necessary changes.
0: Thanks, this is very insightful. Um, any final comments?
1: Um, just to remind organisations, it's a great opportunity, as I see it, to take advantage of this reporting guidance, to use it to strengthen your sustainability governance, policies and practices.
0: Thank you very much, Mark, for that summary around governance as it relates to the CSRD reporting requirements. As a reminder on how Intertech can help on CSRD, so there are four ways. First, to understand your current CSRD readiness, we can help you to undertake a gap analysis to ensure you have a clear view of your organization's current readiness. And we will work with you to define clear action plans to address any gaps to prepare you for your first submission. Second, through training to ensure everyone understands what's required to prepare for your submission. This can be delivered to a range of different teams and functions across your organization and will be bespoke to best fit your requirements. Third, we can also provide auditing solutions. In some markets, we will also be able to act as the auditor of your CSRT Directive Reports as one single provider supporting you from your early preparations through to audit of submission. And finally, we have also partnered with ESG Playbook, a leading SaaS reporting and solution provider bringing in one tool all required data collection, aggregation, and tracking and reporting for ESG. For more information, please visit www.intertech.com forward slash assurance forward slash EU hyphen CSRD. So this concludes today's podcast. Thank you for listening and watch out for further CSRD episodes to help with your journey to compliance.